Sup, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I sat down with Cryptography to talk about art, Bitcoin, content monetization, creators, NFTs. What does the future of this brave new world look like? Controversial topic, particularly the NFTs, but uh, I think you guys will like what our boy Cryptography has to say. About the state of the market, where it can go in the future, and how you can build this in second and third layers, and if so, why even care as a Bitcoiner? You don't need to participate in it. Others can, and you're talking, you're listening to Uncle Marty, who's still a bit of an NFT skeptic. But if there's going to be a market for it, why not bring it to Bitcoin? Go check out Cryptography's art too making incredible pieces this rip was brought to you by good good friends our very good friends a cash app cash app let's help you stack sats send sats receive sats sell sats if you so please we're saying sats 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 are the standards 100 million sats in one bitcoin you don't have to buy a whole bitcoin you don't have to buy a fraction of a bitcoin you can buy whole sats you can stack whole sats sats are on sale right now after this week elon talking about dumping his coin jack dorsey Get behind it saying Bitcoin's going to change everything. Hope you guys saw that over the weekend. You can DCA in the sats. You can set it and forget it by daily, weekly, bi-weekly if you want to. Just ease into it. Be aware of the withdrawal limits. Be aware of the withdrawal limits. You don't want to have too many sats on the app at once. Actually, it's a good time to sweep your sats right now if you have a considerable amount on as the price is lower. Uh, they're working on that from what I understand. They have their boost program. They have their cash card. Except in anywhere... Visa's accepted, get paychecks direct deposited into the app. They're, they're building a very interesting product over at Cash App. We like it. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure you use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. It's where it pres- <coughs> At the coffee bug there. Something went down the wrong pipe. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle. Hoddle, Hoddle, Hoddle has a product for you American freaks listening to this. This is a global podcast, and this is open to anybody using this, but particularly when I call out my American, my fellow Americans, my fellow Americans. This is one of Hoddle, Hoddle products, and it's available to you. It's a landed Hoddle, Hoddle. It's a new non-custodial. That's why it's available to you. It's non-custodial. Big bat. Big back, Bitcoin-backed lending platform that allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on. I can't speak. You guys know that. Anonymously and on your own terms. If you're short of funds, you don't need to sell your Bitcoins. Get some liquidity by borrowing, using your Bitcoin as collateral. And the great thing is that you don't need to entrust someone with your funds. Your collateral always remains locked in escrow, and you control one of the keys. You hold a key. Your counterpart holds a key. Hoddle Hoddle holds a key. When you use your Bitcoin as collateral, you get stable coins, liquidity, and you can go spend it wherever during the duration alone. Since you have a key, you can ma- maintain a site of vision on those sats. Make sure they're not being rehypothecated. If you have some stable coins laying around, you want to enter the other side of that order book, you can put them up for a little yield, create your offers, and set your own terms at lend.hodlhodl.com. That's lend, L-E-N-D, dot hodlhodl.com. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is trying to 
democratize. I don't want to say democratize. It's like a, a very, not a very good word in the Bitcoin space, but they're trying to get the individual little guy, the average Joe, the common man into Bitcoin mining at competitive electricity cost. The way Compass Mining works, you go to compassmining.io. If you want to get into mining, you, they allow you to buy a, a miner. So you, you pick your favorite model, your favorite price point for the miner. Compass Mining is going to acquire that for you. They, they have deals with the manufacturers, so they have these miners in stock. Uh, so you pick your miner, and then they have a plethora a plethora of hosting facilities with, with competitive electricity costs. So you pick your hosting facility where you want to send your miner. You buy your miner, pick your hosting facility. Compass Mining takes all the complexity out for you. They get the miner. They plug it in at the hosting facility, and then they're streaming sats to a wallet of your choice. They're trying to get more individuals into this really admirable mission, and they're doing it compassmining.io go check it out c-o-m-p-a-s-s-m-i-n-i-n-g dot i-o last but not least this rip was brought to you by our good friends at brains brains b-r-a-i-i-n-s that's b-r-a-i-i-n-s and they are the team behind slush pool their team behind brains os plus firmware they're putting out incredible content uh, but today we're going to talk about their mining farm management system that they just launched. Brains, uh, so first up, it's a brand new product, <laughs> Brains OS Plus Manager, an online platform that enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all of their ASICs running Brains OS Plus. This can help miners improve uptime, keep their farms running optimally without the hassle of needing to be on site 24-7. The manager is and always will be free for Brains OS Plus miners. Again, Brains OS Plus is their firmware that allows you to stack more sats, get more hash, get more sats for your hash, or my hash, you get more hash, which gets you more sats, more hash for your buck, your cuck buck, if you're paying in cuck bucks. Security and efficiency were top priorities. Brains OS Plus Manager uses Stratum V2 for smaller and less frequent data transfers with all ASIC configuration and telemetry data being sent via encrypted connections. This is important. This will protect against eavesdropping a man-in-the-middle attacks. You don't want people hijacking your hash rate and stacking sats with your hash rate. It's a problem. Many people don't know it. So the encrypted connections and data being sent in encrypted connection protects against these attacks for details on the manager and how to set how to set up uh with your mining operation go to brains b-r-a-i-i-n-s dot com slash blog and check out the brains os plus manager launch article again that's brains b-r-a-i-i-n-s dot com last but not least slush pool is going to get its first major update of the past couple years and we'll have some new features industry first features for bitcoin mining pools the update hasn't been launched yet uh, but it's going to come with ultra flexible payout system, customizable customizable mining rewards, splitting, and best of all, dark team, 24-7 hash rate monitoring that's easy on the eyes. Follow slush underscore pull on Twitter to see the announcement when the pull update goes live. Edward, seriously, dude, when, when's what? When what's minor? When? When? Get on it, Ed. So I heard Ed actually told me he doesn't like oysters either over the weekend. It's a sick fuck. Ed, Ed, Ed Evenson is a sick fuck. No cheese, no oysters. Live a little, Ed. Live a little, you uncultured swine. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. 
If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Recording. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. Happy Monday. Very excited for this conversation. Crypto Graffiti, how are you doing? How you going, Marty? How you doing? Doing well. Happy you uh, DM'd me yesterday. So I guess the context for this interview is I sent out a thread yesterday morning basically saying, like, hey, like, what is the, the monetization path of content creators and artists of the futures. It's streaming sats, value for value, many people uh, helping an artist or content creator monetize with small micro payments or even larger chunks of payments, giving how, however much they wish. Or is it like an NFT model where you have uh, art collectors in the digital world um, paying big money to to grab a digital like art piece or content piece that is cryptic? cryptographically signed by the artist slash content creator um i'm happy you reached out and said hey i've got some nuanced views on this let's jump into it so that's why we're here today um i guess for anybody who may be listening before we jump into the the, the meat of the conversation um if you can basically introduce yourself and, and explain what you've been doing in the space for some time now because you've you've created some incredible pieces one of which is um posted behind me if anybody is is watching this live or on youtube thanks man yeah thanks again for having me marty um long time bitcoin artist and so i got into the space thinking that there'd just be a need for uh different types of content that appealed to, to different types of people because um you know it was very programmer centric and libertarian centric and and not a lot of design and in, in art um and so you know art helps spread movements uh, a lot of people are just visually minded. And so I was, I heard about it early enough and, and it was complex enough to, to know that we would need some, uh, some ways of simplifying it for, for certain people, myself included, to, to really get our head around it. And art has a way of doing that, uh, distilling things down so more people can, can grasp it. Um, so yeah, so my work, uh, I, I tend to repurpose banking materials but um, I also like to try and involve the protocol and the tech in projects too. So really, really excited about um, stuff that's happening with layer two. Um, a big rabbit hole moment for me involved micropayments and, and learning about hash cash. And that for me was like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not big in the finance space. I don't know much about econ, uh, but this, this creative take on how uh, payments could potentially thwart um, DDoS attacks uh, and and open up this this new uh, era um, that could possibly get us away from this ad based uh, era that we're living in, which really is detrimental in in a number of different ways. That for me really resonated, and I thought, okay, uh, I'm creative. Maybe I can do some stuff pertaining to that. Uh, and so I dove in, and several years later, uh, here we are, in, in loving every minute of it. Now is streaming sats to you. We're not streaming. I was just tipping you while you're doing a, a live set. What was that three Fridays ago, four Fridays ago at this point? Gosh, maybe even longer than that. Yeah, April 9th. So, yeah, it's been so. Um, 
Yeah, man. So kind of a, a more uh, pointed take on, on what's going on with, with Sphinx, um, more specific to this particular thing that I'm interested in, which is, which is DJing. Um, but also goes back to what we're talking about with, with getting away from, from these ads and, um, and for electronic music, which is, which is everywhere nowadays, especially during the pandemic, you know, we saw all sorts of live streams and, and the issues that come with being, uh, encroached upon by platforms that rely, rely on ads and, and antiquated, uh, copyright models. So this was a look at, at doing a different take on that, that cut out middle people and, and similar to Sphinx meant like direct payments and splitting the payments so that, um, the producers can get a cut, uh, and rather than have to do things like, um, you know, throw ads in, in the middle of a, a music set, which is like, <laughs> just not, not ideal whatsoever. Um, this would, would provide an alternative and it'd be a, a big undertaking to be ground up and really kind of hit at everything that's been built already for the whole royalties space, which is a mess. But, uh, I think it's the future. I think, I don't think people want a, uh, the, the Twitches and the Facebooks and the YouTubes to just like shut down and not have your art heard, um, or B the DJs have to do where like they'll pitch down the track considerably. So like the vocals are nothing like what the producer wanted or envisioned in order to get around these bots that are like arbitrarily shut down the streams. It's just a total clusterfuck. Um, we're, we're used, we're like just used to this, this ad based system that, that robs us of, of our time. And, and there's all these, um, these hurdles that, that we're now just accustomed to, but it shouldn't like, we're going to look back 20 years from now and think like, what the hell are we doing? So excited to see things like, like Sphinx and what you're doing on the podcast side of it. Um, and yeah, on the music side, really anything that involves uh, digital content creation, we're starting to see a bunch of experimentation NFTs being part of that um, streaming sets. Uh, I, th I think they all kind of go hand in hand. And so when you posted about this idea of, I think, was it, was there like a, an obfuscated angle to your tweet too? Was it like, Oh, like people would like reveal the artwork with the donations Was that. Yeah. There was a, there's also like the, the paywall model where you, you, you put a paywall in front of your content before it's consumed, whether it be music, written content, maybe even art as well. Um, like, Hey, you have to pay X amount of sets to, to view or consume this art. Um, it's another model you can throw in there. Yeah. And I think they all kind of speak to the same thing, which is like the current models are broken. Right. And so people are thinking of ways to try and hide what you made and, and piece it out and get paid for piecing it out or um, to get, get paid on the fly, like more like the Sphinx side or uh, just get paid to say that you own it. Like the NFT side, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And I think they're all kind of like close cousins to one another. And I think people like rightly so with, with a lot of the, the hubbub that's happening with the NFTs and the crazy valuations. Like there's, there's a ton of, of validity and in, in saying that there's, there's scams going on and it shouldn't, shouldn't be receiving some of the attention that, that it does, but there's also some, some cool stuff too. And so I'm sort of at a crossroads because, you know, I'm, I'm a, a Bitcoiner and, and I know there's a ton of pushback. Um, but there is, there is some cool stuff happening with, with like a programmable art where people can say that they own, like one of the layers and there's like several different layers to this artwork that then changes with, with smart contracts, you know, so maybe it looks, there's a different color palette that happens 
around dusk so that it better matches like your view out your window, like certain shit that's, that's unfolding where it's, it's early days. And, um, you know, some of the, the big valuations are, are purported to be because you're owning, let's say the first of blank. And so there might be some validity there because if, if this does end up sticking around in some form and to have the, the early editions, quote unquote of it, um, um, you know, might make sense in, in some respect. Uh, but yeah, it's, a uh, there is, there is some cool stuff in there along with a lot of the, the fluff. Uh, so I think there's going to be a big shakeout. Um, but hopefully what does come out of it are, are artists being able to, to sustain themselves because up until this point has been very difficult, you know, from the musicians with Spotify's or, um, you know, just like them collecting royalties for like public performance stuff. Like there's these, these, uh, nonprofits like ASCAPs and BMIs. And like, if, if your music is played in like a restaurant or, or a venue, uh, like the, the process that you're supposed to go through to, to receive your, your royalties is so cumbersome and, and likely like purposefully. So like some of these sites are like visiting the DMV, you know, with it they'll charge like a monthly fee to these, to these restaurants in order to have, to be able to play the music. And then, um, you know, it's just all, it's messed up. It's, it's, it's outdated. And so I think what we're seeing now is, is with, with some of these, these new uh, approaches, um, you know, all sorts of, of, of good stuff, but people trying to take advantage of it too. So uh, interesting days for sure. Yeah. And so let's try to break this down for the freaks. Uh, separate and try to help everybody who's listening or watching to visualize this let's start so let's start with like the because there's right there's different types of art slash content like uh, this is a podcast right audio content people come to learn or get entertained you have the newsletter that i write written content um you have what you did last month on april 9th or 7th i'm sorry um the the you basically did a live set on YouTube um, and you had a tip um, QR code where anybody watching, I was watching on my TV and I was able to just scan your QR code on my TV and send you sets over the lightning network. And then you have digital art being created uh, that has a cryptographic signature from the artist and that can be sold as an NFT to individuals that they can hold and basically say, Hey, I own this one of one or, N of X um, a piece of art created by this particular artist. So there's different ways and of monetizing for these creators and artists. And like, do you, so before we even get into like the different ways of monetizing, do you think we should separate the, the different types of creators from content creator to artist? And does the separation of those creators have a, does that mean they can monetize differently in your mind? Yeah, I think eventually um it's all it's interesting because it's all kind of converging into one where like i think we're all content creators now because you know your your tweets are going to perform better if you put an image there and and um there's we're creating content whether we like it or not if you're on social media and um and then i think it's only a matter of time before payments are going to be everywhere you know like jack's alluded to it happening with twitter i think i think it'll be the same game theory when one of one of the big platforms does it with the other ones, because why wouldn't you want to earn some random sats if it's done elegantly? Cause that's, that's like the big thing. Like if it's, if it's obtrusive 
I don't know if you remember back when Reddit took over Dig, they had like Dig version four, I think it was, where it was just a, a mess, right? And so because it was a mess, like everyone was like, oh, look at this really sleek thing called Reddit, which is, it's ugly, but it just focuses on the content. Um, so I think that's kind of how it will unfold. Like someone's going to do it. People will get paid. It'll it'll be talked about too much and everyone will be annoyed because everyone's talking about the payments. But then eventually it'll be this elegant solution where if someone digs out this this fact that you were looking for and you, you send them a, a thousand sats and, and it's done seamlessly, um, then, well, uh, for that guy that created the the meme that you laughed at and you sent the sats there, someone else is just going to want to be like, hey, I now own it. Look at my collection of memes and boom, there's your NFT. It's kind of a close close cousin of it, right? And it's also like Jesse Powell tweeted something recently where he just sees it like uh, uh, an even closer cousin of, of philanthropy because he's uh, he's supporting the arts. He he owns a, a gallery. He supported my work, and and it's just another way of of supporting. And it's kind of like when you if there's like a Kickstarter or something, and you you check that box or don't check the box that that shows publicly like did you support this thing? On one hand, it's a little uh, feed in the ego if you do, but on the other hand, it's also uh, there's the network effect of showing your your friends and family that you supported this, and maybe they're also going to support it, right? So. If, uh, if people want to like have this collector's mindset um, or just innately do, and then they have this clean page where it's like, hey, show the, these things where I, I supported these different artists and you should too. And, you know, it's really tough for, for digital artists nowadays, um, which I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, then, yeah, I think there's going to be the tipping everywhere. And then there's going to be like a very clean version of like, okay, you can now own the thing that you, you help support too. And um, if it's done in a in a, a clean fashion, um, I think, and once a lot of this other stuff dies out with with the crazy crazy valuations, um, because there can only be so many firsts, which I think is is uh, is driving some of it. Um, but I don't I don't think it will die out because there's also the whole money money laundering aspect of it too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think it's here to stay, and I think there's some some good that that could be done with it. Yeah, so where I get hung up, or I've been very vocal about this, like NFTs particularly for me as a form of digital, like I don't get digital art at all. And again, value subjective. Obviously, there's a market for all this stuff. People are throwing a ton of money at it, whether or not it's because people want to be first and the novelty of being first and the potential value creation of of having the things that drop first um, is an investment decision for these people. But when you compare digital and physical art, the the hurdle that i haven't been able to get over is like physical art like a painting done by an artist proof of work is there you can see the paint strokes you can see everything there's like a depth to it a physical nature to it um where the the original is obvious that it's original and a print is obvious that it's a print where in the digital realm and the only thing separating the original from its copies is that signature and is that signature equivalent to the physical uniqueness of a, of a physical art piece and i don't even know if this framing makes sense or this is a problem that others are having but how would you describe the digital art being similar to physical art yeah it's the like the whole like should this token represent the art thing is is a hang-up for a lot of people and i could i can totally see it um, but it's one of these things where like if if uh, the artist wants to say that, yeah, you know, if 
if by calling this token the art, it then enables me to to support myself as an artist because you're appreciating the art that's that's quote unquote tied to the token. Sure, you know, there's crazier stuff that's done in the art world. Um, for a lot of people, it, it makes enough sense to to wanna to support and dive in. Um, but I get it. It's a it's like a little a little bit removed, and part of that is because of the bloat that would come with actually trying to to have the the full artwork in the blockchain itself, which would muck up the works, right? So um, there needs to be some sort of workaround, and this is this is kind of it. And if uh, if it's from a purely like investment perspective, um, then it it gives more credence to like this is this is crazy talk because anyone for $69 million can, can just have the JPEG. Uh, but if it's more altruistic um, and there's, there's someone that is doing something special with the work that wouldn't otherwise necessarily be done. And it's, it's either driving emotion or, or people to do something um, that they wouldn't otherwise do. And there's some, some reaction from it, good or bad. Um, and that, that means you want to pony up some, some money. Um, yeah, maybe it makes more sense. Like for me, it, it sort of hits home, like with, for instance, this this um, split payment thing that I did, because there's there's projects uh, that I'll do where like I don't like make money from. So even though I'm not a digital artist, I do I do physical work, but there's uh, from time to time I'll do projects where like I won't make any money from it. But I think it's it's uh, either cool or important to try and show as like a use case. Um, and then I'll be in the hole like a, a decent amount of money. And so if there's a way of having something represented uh, that it, it, it sort of becomes a construct for patronage that might not otherwise already be there. And so if, if it means having something collectible, um, uh-huh. there's a marketplace for it, uh, then it's then it's easier than just like asking for a handout, which is something that I don't like doing. Um, so it's, it's like, a, yeah, it's a built-in way of, of getting some sort of a, uh, return uh, for for what some people might might see as as doing good. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still on, like digital art. How would you describe digital art? Like, is is a meme a digital art piece? Is like it does it like so and compared to physical art, like a big painting, like the Sistine Chapel or something like that, or Monet. It takes like very, like the the thing this dollar United Nodes of Bitcoin piece that you did that was very painstaking work cutting up all this and putting putting it into this physical art piece like right. proof of work in the physical art world versus the digital art world. Like yeah. people like <laughs> worth sixty million dollars. Like is that is that like a I don't know. Now we're getting. I mean, I'm really getting into like a philosophical art conversation here. But like, is art in the digital world the same as the physical world? Or does it have the same value or aesthetic nature or subjective beauty? I guess is what we're trying to get to. Subjective beauty. Yeah. Um, objective beauty. Excuse me. Not even subjective. Objective beauty. It's really one of these things where it's it's the whole beauty is in the eye of the beholder because um, different people. Um, and there's a lot of I, I know safety is is speaks to this too and uh like for me like my personal style like if you looked in this room right now i'm like very 
uh, attuned to aesthetics and in design and interior design, but I wouldn't go for like the ornate style, which, which is more proof of work. I like, uh, more like mid-century where it's, it is proof of work in that it shows like the, the steel beams and like, you can literally see how the thing was constructed, but it's not necessarily the same. Right. So th these are two very different aesthetics, different time periods that speak to the same thing, but they're just different with digital art. Um, it's like, if, if you're a digital artist, you might be more attuned to the different types of like filters that are being being used. And this, this I think like the knowing that you don't know like how it's done, I think can be an issue for, for some people who aren't doing digital art, myself included, you know, because it's like, oh, well, are they taking some shortcuts in certain ways? And sometimes you'll see on Twitter where there, there might be talk of like, oh, he, he just did this, this tweak to it. And that's how this effect happened. Um, but um, I, I don't like, I like performance art, you know, I don't, I don't think I look at, at like what, uh, Bitcoin sign guy did is like a form of art. And that, uh, is just very different, but also for me is, I love it. I love all, all different types, um, of stuff. Um, you know, some of the activism work that, that Ai Weiwei does to push back with the, the Chinese government and, you know, where it's, it's a, it's a different, um, a different form that maybe it's less time on a canvas um and maybe some of it's quicker than 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 other pieces but there's there's a message there's like a strong message and it's it's not a a strong layering effect with a bunch of different colors coming together but uh, the art can be just in the message itself um i lo i love how like I, I don't like spending a ton of time just being like what is art? Like I'd rather like try and like make it because I got a bunch of ideas and stuff. But hmm. I, I love how it it questions everything. Like I've had a couple scenarios where, um, like I just did this thing down at the, well, it's been a while now, but uh, down at the Mexican border, and like I I have some of the of of the wall, and I was trying to bring it back over, um, for for this project, and I got stopped three times, and then each time, um the the border patrol they look back there and they're like you know this is as they love for Terra and then and and I'm like yeah and, and then once I was just like it's for art they just like let me go right so like it's just sort of this extra thing same thing when I did the the Silk Road um where it was made out of drugs mm -hmm. uh, like when I was researching that I was like am I gonna like catch heat for this if if I uh, in doing the research for it, there was like other artwork that was made out of cocaine and they just like let it slide like because it's art. And so it just sort of like falls into this other category where people there's less rules. Uh, there's it pushes boundaries and people can assess it however they want and internalize it however they want. Um, and so digital art for me, it's like in I think long term betting against us staring at these rectangles all day isn't a good move. Um, you know, I've, I have, a uh, a, my significant other does UX related stuff and has worked with some big, uh, technology companies where they're like already making these walls of screens, right. For the home. And so, um, some people won't be into it. Some will, um, but having, uh, the dematerialization that we talk about so much, um, happen right in front of us and then trying to. To think that you know it's it's probably not going to head in that direction with art too is I don't know it's a uh, luddite thinking. Yeah, I mean, I 
I don't want to, you said it. I don't think it's a Luddite. <laughs> I just think it's happening whether we like it or not. You know? Yeah. And, so, yeah. and I, I'm one of these people who's been uh, apprehensive, skeptical, but it makes a lot of sense. Like this behind me again. It, like, that's what I love about your art. You mentioned the Silk Road piece, the, uh, the, what's his real name? Not Satoshi Nakamoto, but um, Dorian Nakamoto uh, piece, the Hal Finney with the cut up credit cards. Uh, the the billboard campaign that you that you worked on you added a VR aspect to it that was beautiful and th- those messages were, were very concise and powerful um, for anybody who's not aware of that can you explain what you did um, with the billboard campaign around the country yeah so this was um, you know that was actually going to start off I I created the backside of the dollar that's behind you and was just looking I'd use that to teach people about um, kind of Bitcoin one hundred and one it was in a an exhibit and people just gravitated toward it. I saw how, you know, people like money. And um, so I would use it to teach and, and talk about what, what nodes were and, and decentralization. And, um, and so I wanted to do something similar with, with the backside um, and just go bigger with it. And so the idea was to just have one um, kind of nearby the mint in San Francisco. And then when I thought of all the different messages that could happen and have it be this teachable moment, um, well, there's plenty of messages, so why not try to do more? And so then it it turned into this this bigger project where there was a billboard in each of the the Federal Reserve uh, bank cities, and so the idea was just to get people to to head back to social media. So there was an at BTC versus Fed um, landing thread where they could learn about what's going on with inflation um, and topics like the Cantillon effect and how. Uh, our money is broken and, and Bitcoin can be a way out. And it was right around the time when uh, in, institutional attention was was really at a fever pitch. And so, um, you know, I think we need to get the word out to all different walks of life. And so these were in, in working class neighborhoods uh, to try and, like we talked about at the, the start of the conversation, just sort of distill what's going on down to to something uh, that's more jargon free and, and um easy to digest so people can can wrap their head around the importance of this thing yeah it was very powerful and the vr aspect was cool too so that's like a form of digital i was like all right this is like the the physical and the digital world interacting with each other well like how you could put your phone up and some of the billboards would animate correct yeah yeah so um it's 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 technically ar augmented reality that can be used excuse me no worries um so it's it's part of another like big movement that's happening with this metaverse, which um, you know, I have mixed mixed feelings about that too, because we already spend so much time in front of the computer. And then to then have, I, th- I saw you tweet about this at, at one point too. I was like, yeah, it's, uh, I think the goal is eventually to not have to be in, in front of these things. And the the whole VR world sort of goes against that. Um, but people people are into it, and, and especially in times like COVID, where they're stuck at home, whether they like to be or not, um, it's a it's a way of of interacting with one another, and um, yeah, so people can go in and and see these different galleries and and claim ownership of of real estate and and view artwork and, and buy and sell artwork, and it's a it's another big uh, movement that's happening right now with with other platforms, other chains. Yeah, it's like what is it, Algorland, where you can go in and buy literal real estate. Like people are buying up land in Algorland, thinking that the VR world's gonna have that as their shelling point. That's right. What, yeah. 
in the uh, is Algorland another one? It might be. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I haven't. It's crazy. There's been iterations, like you said earlier, um, like we were discussing earlier, the uh, the fact that some people want to get NFTs. It's like they want to get in first. Um, like being around since like 2013, 2014. Like I, if I have rare Pepe's from Counterparty, is that the actual first NFT that people are going to want to value more than the Crypto Kitties or the Crypto Punks that came after? Uh, many years after is that like a sneaky good investment right now getting rare pet banks and counterparty it actually is very hot right now um <laughs> it is so uh shout out uh dj skrilla um early bitcoin artist he him and uh theo uh goodman and and others uh joe looney who i know you've been on the show uh they've been helping push the these telegram auctions um and so it's like these things are going for a pretty pretty penny now, man. So if you're sitting on some, uh, I, I have someone an open dime downstairs. Right? Yeah, so people are starting to discover it because um, you know there's being the whole first is is obviously driving a lot of the value, and so people are taking that that claim, whether it's truthful or not. Unfortunately, it's it, they call it greenwashing when like people just conveniently leave out the Pepe's out of the whole like, <laughs> So yeah, Pepe's, there's there's projects even uh, before Pepe's too. Um, but yeah, it started with Bitcoin. And then because of the true decentralized nature of Bitcoin and not having the deep pockets of like a consensus that would fund a lot of these marketplaces, um, you know, it was, it was guys that were developing on the side of their, their day jobs and didn't get as much traction probably because of it. Um, there's other reasons too, you know, like, um, like I personally was like worked on my own stuff um, because it was more like, there wasn't like the, the theme of having it be like frog related. Um, but, but now there's, there's a, a lot of attention that is being paid to it because it it's, it's surfacing. There's, I think it's Sotheby's or, or Christie's is, is about to auction a um, what, what is dubbed to be, I believe the first NFT on counterparty from 2014. I want to say it's called a monograph. Uh, it's probably people yelling at the screen right now, but uh, someone who who just kind of got some more shine recently because of all the the activity that's happening in the auction space for for early crypto punks and stuff. So finally getting some some due um, for really being the pioneers and, and exploring this stuff uh, early on. Um, it's good to see. Yeah. Now, if you freaks want to learn more about Counterparty, Rare Pepe is in the first iteration of NFTs on Bitcoin. Go seek out the episode with Joe Looney that I did. Yeah, gosh, we were still recording at Barstool. When he came on, it had to be early 2018. Um, it's a re- fascinating Bitcoin history lesson uh, that many don't know about. And everybody's like, oh, NFTs are new craze. Like, uh, Bitcoin's missing out because we can't do this. It's like, well, it already has done this. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, the limitations of uh, the protocol level of Bitcoin sort of limited the growth um, of, of NFTs on Bitcoin. But another interesting rabbit hole we can dive down, like considering the nature of the second layers and potentially third layer layers in RGB that are being uh, produced on top of Bitcoin, could we see a shift of NFT markets back to Bitcoin? Because again, I may not be able to see the value of NFTs, and I may not be spending money on it. 
who knows, maybe maybe my mind will change in the future, but there's obviously a market for this. And as Bitcoiners, what is your opinion? Should we be trying to bring this market to Bitcoin, whether it be be a second layer like liquid, potentially a third layer like RGB down down the line? Um, what is what is the future of NFTs and, and Bitcoin? Will it be something that is just completely um, disregarded? Um, there is interest in it. There's a, a lot of uh, negative <laughs> feedback too. Um, so especially with with counterparty and like doing it on Bitcoin, you know, those guys catch a lot of heat for it clogging up the network. And um, so, but there is interest, you know, like I get, I get people asking, hey, when are you going to do NFTs? And there's stuff in the works, um, you know, Giacomo's doing and others are, are doing with RGB. Um, um, also, uh, Blockstream is soon going to launch uh, a liquid-based NFT platform. Um, and so there's going to be options out there which will provide a lot of the same um, features that I think is really driving this for digital artists, which is namely, you know, the secondary sales. And then hopefully some, some community comes around it too, because that's, that's a big uh, component of this too. You know, if you look, uh, not to rehash a lot of the digital art conversation, but you look at, at where they were prior to this, it's just doing contract work, stuff that they're not excited about. But um, now they're, they're able to kind of let loose and, and do some what I think is some, some really cool cool stuff. Um, and so if, if they're able to do a lot of the same things uh, on more Bitcoin-centric platforms, um, then I think long-term it could make sense because as Bitcoin continues to eat away at various stores of value and the artists want to keep their, their earnings in Bitcoin regardless, it seems like it would make sense for them to, to want to gravitate toward, toward Bitcoin uh, should they want to do the NFT stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're already experiencing a lot of the same scaling issues with Ethereum and having to, to result to, to other solutions um, as a result of the high gas fees. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if, there, if it's out there and it's, it's feasible with Bitcoin and there's a market for it, um, you know, why not? I think um, for me, the biggest thing is that I, that I just hate to see is have Bitcoin artists that uh, need to get by um, and so they're doing, they're going to where the money is. And so they go into a more Ethereum centric ecosystem because they, they just need to make ends meet. And so it might change the course of their work, um, which might be more Bitcoin focused prior to, to this. And so if, if there's different options for them, that would mean having more creative culture closer to Bitcoin. I think it's good um, because we need, uh, we need to have this and not have um, just everyone see a lot of the cool imagery happening elsewhere, because regardless of where you kind of stand in terms of the whole, like, does Bitcoin need marketing thing? It, it, it's good to have uh, a bunch of different types of people involved with the project. And if, if uh, it's kind of like what happened with, with San Francisco, where all the artists had to, to leave um, and go elsewhere, I would just hate to, to ha have that happen. Right. So we had it, we have we have artists now that are dedicated. I would like to to see that pool grow, and if if we can speak to them with different mediums that um, can let them explore more in whether it's physical or digital, I think it's good. Yeah, guerrilla marketing is okay. This is some great guerrilla marketing behind me. It's uh, it's powerful and it's very organic, right? And 
I would, it would be a great shame to see that. That's, that's like, I guess, I don't know if it'll be, be called a, a blasphemous maximalist here, but no, yeah, you don't want to drive people away if you don't have to. And that's like, I guess the point of this discussion is to prove like, hey, if it can be done on something like a liquid at RGB, and it's not clogging the chain, but you can get into the, you can get into the debate if there, the spam exists. Like if somebody wants to use the Bitcoin blockchain for something, are they not allowed to? Um, who's to decide that? But if you can even avoid that conversation um, wholly by moving it to, to second and third layers via liquid and RGB, like who cares? Like if, if, right? Like if, if, if you can build it and you can do it, and it doesn't bother anybody else. Like what's, what's the big problem? Yeah, I agree. It's, I think trying to appeal to everyone is, isn't going to work. Um, and so there'll be strong opposition to it and it's all good. Everyone, everyone can, uh, can run with what they, what they want and, and mute what they want. And it's, you know, part of, part of this, I, I just kind of cringe when I see people try and speak for all Bitcoiners, because to me that totally goes against like the, the ethos of what this is all about too, you know? And so, um, yeah, just, just let your freak flag fly. And if that means supporting, uh, art in ways where other Bitcoiners aren't, aren't into it, fog it, just do, uh, do you. Um, and if it's not your thing, all good too. Cause, cause, um, I think, I think by having all these varying takes on as it, good, it just means that, ecosystem is growing and we are getting all different types of people in it so it's uh, uh this is this is panning out how I, I would expect it to you know yeah and bitcoin the network actually has no fucking idea how anybody's using it whether it's for money for art so that's right. something to take into consideration it's just a an apolitical dumb protocol it's, uh, so, tell me a little bit more about sphinx dude now that you're <laughs> months in um give me a give me a hot take let's see um let me see hot take i like it more people need to use it so yeah, i can tell somebody was listening to an episode of tftc three hours ago on sphinx they were streaming me 10 oh. sets 10 sets a minute listen with uh 10% going to the devs of, of Sphinx chat and podcasting 2.0, I believe. Um, I love it. I, I love, there's many aspects of it, right? You can stream sats, which is just incredible value for value, being able to get monetized directly from my listeners is incredible. Uh, it's pretty meta that some people listening to me speak these, these words right now over the next two minutes, will be streaming me sats on some apps. Uh, the the community nature of it is a really great aspect too, having the tribe on Sphinx and being able to interact with the freaks on a day to day basis. So, um, conversations lively in there, um, which is good. Um, and then listening to podcasts, like I listen to my favorite podcasts that are that are linked up to podcasting 2.0 and and have tribes on Sphinx Jet. I listen um, and try to contribute back to them myself, so I can see it like at scale, like just to be open and transparent with the freaks that we, we joined um, Sphinx, I think in November or we officially like created our tribe in November. Maybe I forget exactly what it was, but um, since then a combination of sats being streamed and 
and people boosting. We've made almost 5.1 million sats, which is right now it's like $3,000. Um, subtract all the sats that I've spent listening and boosting other podcasts, let's say, and 5.5 million sats. Um, we have about 800 freaks in the tribe. And I don't know if that many are coming in and interacting or listening to the podcast every episode that way. Um, but considering the small scale of it, I mean, we've got, and we've got hundreds of thousands of downloads a month. So if you figure only like less than 1%, less than a 10th of a percent of um, our, our monthly viewers are actually using it via this model, it's, I think it's a, it's a good amount of sats to have accrued over the last six months. Um, and if you think of if that gets to a greater scale and it becomes more commonplace for people to interact with podcasts and support the creators this way, it could be a material amount of money. Um, if we get to like a million dollar Bitcoin, this 5 million sats would be what, like $50,000. So somewhat of a salary within a six month period could be scalable. Love it, dude. Yeah. Uh, big respect for you and Matt in uh also just having this conversation like a lot of a lot of people aren't too into even like approaching the subject of the nft stuff but uh yeah you guys walk the walk it's it's admirable well i mean thank you number one but like if i'm gonna broach this subject i want to broach it with you as somebody who's been actually making legit art in the space and you're an artist that i respect i love your your pieces i've got um i don't have any originals yet which bums me out but i've got a. Uh, I've got a few of your um, your prints. Um, Get that free JPEG behind you. Got the free JPEG behind me. Um, my office will be littered with crypto graffiti art uh, prints and hopefully original pieces at some point in my life. Um, yeah, and I got to move out of my my father in law's bedroom first, and then uh, I can actually uh, decorate a studio and, and do it correct. But yeah, no, I mean that's the other like uh, again that thread I posted yesterday morning, I was open. Like, I don't see it yet, but there's obviously a market for it. You're an artist, you're in the space. Like, you know, the monetization paths of art yeah. better than me. And so instead of just being an asshole tweeting, <laughs> something he may not know about and figured let's have a, con con well, let's have a conversation about it. And again, if the market is going to develop, there obviously seems to be, more oh, so let's, Jump into that. Is the market just like a huge money laundering thing? Like um, a lot of the NFT stuff could be seen as like money laundering, and how would that work? Which is just not saying that it is. I think it's an interesting vehicle, um, the mechanics of it. Um, so maybe that's something we could touch on right now. Yeah, ha happy to not be a an expert on that, but <laughs> something that's like you know, the, the way that it's done in the traditional art world, which like when I jumped into this, I kind of had the option of going like more traditional or, or down this path, which was infinitely more interesting. And I was trying to get away from these shenanigans. I got like artists in the family and seeing some of the, the issues that, that they had to deal with, with, with the more traditional art world. So now like seeing some of the downsides of it creeping in is it's like, all right, well, it's, it's here. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's, it's going to happen. It's happened like for, for centuries right so it's it's uh kind of unavoidable um i don't know i can't really speak too much on that i think it's i think if uh really the focus is just trying to 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 support and like throw out these these crazy edge cases 
then um, then there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like, and not to like keep rehashing it with the digital artist stuff, but like it's this construct. Like, because I don't know you and like a lot of the listeners. Anyone who's who's like enjoying the art online, like, are they tipping? There's really not like a, an easy format to to do it. Um, and this, this is just an easier way to do it. And so like uh, the, what you hear from a lot of, of people with the pushback is, oh, well, they should just like be doing merch, but then they're, they're doing physical work. And some, some of these artists just prefer to stay in the digital realm and not have to deal with like the issues with, with shipping, especially in times of COVID where stuff's been, been more difficult. And um, yeah, so it's, there's, there's just this, this new era. I think that's, that's upon us. Um, because the tools are getting better too with with the digital art and and the quality of it is is getting better and there's just more people doing it and um so yeah i don't know i'm kind of circling back to to what we were talking about earlier but i think i think there's going to be a lot of this uh shenanigan wash trading type stuff and uh and higher valuations and and things that mimic the traditional art world um and it's going to be unavoidable but um yeah, if if the focus is really to just try and and support people that you think are doing good, then then that option will be there too. Yeah. How does this change the future of the art world or content monetization? Like, what does the landscape look like? Like, so let's focus on your DJ set. And so what you did is you had a lightning URL, um, an LN URL. QR code that anybody watching via YouTube or streaming to their TV could scan and tip right away. And so you, your set had a bunch of different artists from all over the world and you had it set up where um, people would tip you and then it gets split um, sent to the artist, the producer. Um, you, you can make your split up as, as unique as you want to. And considering this model is coming to disrupt the, the traditional uh royalties model if you will like what what does that do like what kind of middlemen does that cut out and what does it allow artists and producers to do moving forward does it does it really free them up in any regard yeah i think if it can be done like grown kind of like sphinx like from the ground up where it's it's built around some of this tech it it have a a lot more impact than like trying to convince like a YouTube to, to to totally change their ad model, right? Um, but it could mean uh, cutting out middle people, and if if the the platforms themselves get a cut, um, then it could mean getting away from from the ads, right? Um, so the producers, maybe there's a vocalist that's in on it, uh, the DJ who kind of an unsexy way of saying it becomes like a, a referral like marketer in a sense. Um, they, they get in on it. I, like initially it thought about it from like a live venue. So like, like, if, like an audio fingerprinting, if you're in a, if you're in a, uh, like a concert or, or a club and you Shazam and then you get it and then you can immediately on the spot tip the venue for hosting the whole damn thing. And then some of it goes to the DJ, some of it goes to whoever. Um, so there's different formats that it can take, but I do think that it, it, it would, it would probably mean someone who's, who's in the space that's, that's willing to, to have a go at doing a more ground up approach that's really tailored more to it. But that if you look at the alternatives and like some of what I was describing earlier with like how these royalties are paid out and, and some of the, the roadblocks to, um, 
getting getting either paid or, or having your music heard and having to deal with the, the interstitials and like this, this random stuff that that gets in the way of the art uh, it's, it's a no-brainer i do think it's one of these things that we're going to look back on and um, so part of it was just wanting to to hopefully inspire others like i just got off a call right before this with a, a known record label who's who's interested in it and they it would it would take it would take a concerted effort was and i i don't like it when like you know you, have, you rely on like influencer type stuff but it does help in certain situations so if you had like a a recognizable name label that was willing to partake uh and you had some some people on the inside like bitcoiners that are willing to, to build it out because they can see the the potential impact of it and then also it could be profitable you know the royalty spaces is a multi-billion dollar industry um so yeah i think i think it could it could be a a pretty big like tectonic shift from the current way of doing things, but it would just be a lot of work. And so for some of my stuff, it just means like throwing it out there and giving like a glimpse of what might be possible and then hoping that others will run with it. Cause I can't like do it myself. Um, but been fortunate to like be around long enough to where like, if I propose something, then I can get some collaborators to like build like a, a MVP type thing or proof of concept. Right. It feels like the next progression. Yeah, we talk about order of operations a lot, but in the in the music industry, production has been completely disrupted with the internet age. You don't need to spend an obscene amount of money to to rent out a studio anymore. A lot of people can just make their art in their in their rooms in their homes and, and have a pretty good end product distribution. Similarly, SoundCloud, other ways to distribute your your content, even RSS feeds, um, is is disrupting that model. I mean, Chance the Rapper, um, really paved the way in that, as as well as some other artists uh, who decided to go independent for production and distribution. And now, in the next stage, monetization seems ripe to to finish that stack out. Correct? Yeah, it does, and it's it's hugely important, especially like the the genre of music that I like, where like the, these underground uh, electronic music artists aren't, aren't making a lot. And so like every little percentage point that can go back to them is like hugely important because if, if it can help fund them to really just focus on the music, then the purity of their art and their music is, is not jeopardized. And it's something that has like really taken over, like, like underground house music started in like gay black clubs in Chicago, New York. And it was just, it was, it was because these, these people weren't allowed to get into to the white clubs. And so they, they created their own thing where everyone was allowed and they all, and it was just pitch black and just the focus was on the music. And then if you, if you look at it, like what it's evolved to now where like, you're only going to get booked if you have this big social media following and and it's really, it's all about C and B scene and, and the music is, it's it like you're literally like watching the antics of the dj rather than focusing on the music it's 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 kind of there's a lot of parallels to what's happened with all all coins versus versus bitcoin like i've tweeted a couple of times where like bitcoin is the underground because it has this this focus and it, it wants to do one thing and it wants to do it well and i, I think that's kind of what's happening at least with this the space of music that i follow um where there's all this this sideshow stuff that that is distractions. And, and so if, if we can fix the money for them too, then they can, they could focus more on, on the quality rather than have that be beaten away at. Are you not a big fan of Steve Aoki throwing cakes at people? No, man, not like, not just cause I'm trying to avoid sugar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, 
yeah, it's so weird that people like openly get on shoulders to get a, like a whole cake thrown in their face. It's a bit of a sideshow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's to each their own. I don't want to like just poop on what's fun for some people, but like it is like I saw these these DJs that really produce like good music are, are like no longer getting booked because they don't have this, the social media following. And it's no, it's no longer about like the music and, and uh, for people, it's one of these where like, if you already start out with, with money, there's a lot of like DJs who are like born into the money. And so then they, they can just buy the following. And it's just, like, it, it's sort of uh, yeah, yeah. It take, takes away from the whole, the whole thing and like the roots of it. And um you know, it goes, it does sort of like speak to what you were talking about earlier about like good art being easily recognizable. And that's, that's kind of, kind of, uh, heard also with like, at least with this electronic music space, there's, there's stuff where it's like, okay, this is obviously commercial and just meant to, to be the background of like poolside at, at a, a party or some, something that with, with people with bottle service versus, people that really care about their craft. And I think if, if the, for the people that really do care about their craft, if they can have more time like focusing on the music because they, they have to worry less about, about the money because there's less middle people involved who, who can take away from it for a number of different reasons. Um, you know, not just, just the money, but also the direction of it. You know, that's, that's another big thing. Like it's, it's the whole trusted third parties or, or security holes. Like whenever you involve others with, with your art or your music, it's, they may have some restrictions that they want to put on it. And yeah, so the more peer to peer we can get with this stuff, the better. Yeah, it's, it's bad time. I'm sorry. I was typing there cause I had to look up his name when David Solomon, the CEO of uh, Goldman Sachs is, is booking more DJ set, sets than, than actual artists. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad state of, of the DJ world. It is all cloud chasing. You better be using that money gun too, or you just like shower people. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that's a weird sign of the times. Goldman Sachs CEO uh, moonlights as a DJ on the weekends. Yeah, definitely mm. model service there. <laughs> well, it's like staying on these like DJ sets though. Like, not even DJ sets. Like, I'm like you can go to Kingston Mines in Chicago. You you wait in that line. You pay that twenty dollar fee to get in to go see blues late at night. Like, imagine if it was just like uh, Lightning Network invoice and automatically you, you paid the venue and then you split the sets to the artist for the night too bang bang boom payouts immediately fairly transparently the yeah. artist wanted to go audit um the venue and make sure they were getting paid they could easily do so yes because collecting that check you always hear the horror stories with comedians and musicians they got to go back to the room and get the fucking payment and usually it's less and um yeah man that's what led to Uncle uh, Uncle Ben Parker dying. Um, <laughs> Spider Man went to go collect his check for for wrestling. They didn't give him enough money. He let them get robbed, and the guy who robbed them ran out and shot his uncle. Oh man! I Bit- didn't know. Bitcoin could have saved Uncle Ben. Oh my gosh! Uh, no, it's it's crazy how it's all going to get disrupted, or it is getting disrupted. I mean, I'm I'm seeing it right now with podcasting. It's still very early days, though. I guess that's the next question is like not not for you but just like for the space in general is when does the public begin using these tools that allow people to monetize this way like and like i would love for all the freaks to listen to podcasting 2.0 
listen to the uh, the podcast via podcasting 2.0 platforms and, and stream sets. Hopefully we can go next year to a completely ad-free model and do that. Um, that's like one thing that's always in the back of my mind um, is when we do that. Like, are there going to be enough people that come with us um, to help us monetize and the best way to do that is to make it as easy as possible. So in this transitionary period, you have to like tell people who don't want to spend sats to like download strike and do it that way. It's like how, or is it simply like, and if you build it, they will come type situation where we're just so early. Right, right. When you saw the drop off with Rogan, just from, from people just going over. To, yeah. I hear you, man. It's, it's, it's why, like why I think, like it or not, the whole like lean, leaning on the influencer stuff does does play a part there. Where like I think like with Mastodon, you know, like if there's like exclusive content that's only happening on on the one platform type of thing, um, that might help drive it. They need there's got to be the little hook, um, something they're not getting elsewhere. That's what like I'm not gonna say it bums me out, but it's like ah, especially these artists, all these music artists pushing nfts like kings of leon doing that i'm like oh, why don't you just like do the stream sats model um or try to blow that up right like it'd be great because especially when you think about royalties and being able to distribute that it seems a little bit more clunky it would be more clunky selling nfts as opposed to like streaming sats or paying a lightning network enabled paywall that immediately splits the the payment to all the members of the band the producer manager whatever maybe um a lot of efficiencies to be gained yeah yeah because it seems like a lot like a lot of what's happening uh, on the music side with the nfts is like exclusive access type things that aren't really like you know you don't need an nft for um but also still kind of early days like that programmable art type thing i, I referenced uh that um their async art is the one that's really kind of driving that um they're they're doing it with music too where like the different layers the different stems can be ownable so maybe like this sort of speaks to this new uh dynamic with collectors and artists where like when you remove the middle people you have like a closer relationship with them right and so like whether it's art or music uh they want like involvement they want access and so if that means like you give them the option for this like one drum pattern versus another one where you know that either one of them is going to be good uh and they get to choose it they may like eat that up right they get they they get ownership over having the ability to choose via this nft that the music is going to ultimately the finished product is going to sound like this that might appeal to some people um but it is it is like a, a lot involved versus just like a streaming sales type of model right so yeah. it, can, it can get uh granular in terms of how it, how it's approached but it's some of the ways that it's currently being done like i don't there isn't a need for an nft for it's like more straightforward i think king king kings of leon may have been this too or did they just sell like a track or what was the i think they sold in whole albums worth of tracks um as i don't know if it was one nft or like a 12 nfts one representing each each track but yeah that's all it was is somebody owns the the latest Kings of Leon album. Right, right. Um, yeah, this dynamic of of wanting to like, I have like collectors who I'm like friends with on on Twitter, and you know, this 
close relationship where it, it wouldn't have happened like you know 15 years ago when you have the, the art dealer in between and and there's uh positives and negatives that come with that but um it's when you are closer and you're dming with these people uh the idea of ownership of stuff um is is easier for the ones that aren't just trying to like flip it and make a buck you know it's like a this more intimate thing where you know stuff about their kids and it's like okay well yeah there's, there's this thing that that you're doing that represents some other work that you did and that you didn't get paid for maybe maybe i'll i'll, I'll support it um yeah it's a when you take out the middle people in, in all facets of the the process, not just payments, it's 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 making for uh, these different experiences, and I think that's also what's what's driving some of this is the the idea of being a patron slash collector um, is easier if you're like closer to the the art and artist. This may be going too far, but. It in some sense you become a collaborator yeah like yeah you... and if, and when i say for better or for worse it's like because the whole trusted third parties are security holes right like i've had some like weird commission requests um <laughs> like, uh and then and then because you're that close it's it's harder to you Six. worry about jeopardizing the relationship right yeah. um, but it is yeah the idea of of a patron becoming a collaborator because they're in dms like with ideas too like very frequently and then and it's it's almost like a, a dj that gets gets requests <laughs> some are some are great uh, others like well you don't really throw in uh kings of leon after this this is steve aoki makes <laughs> right yeah no yeah i get i mean not that i'm an artist or anything yeah like just recommendations for episodes topics it's like yeah i like curating i like curating it's um yeah it's a fascinating future would you say it's a blank canvas i had to make a nice art pun here i like it (laughs) it's uh is it an exciting time to be an artist yeah man um it's really like kind of mind-blowing to see all this happen now where just just even just Bitcoin, just everywhere. Like, oh my gosh, it's it's Ron Paul GIF. It's happening. <laughs> so, it's yeah. I just feel, I feel blessed to just be able. To, like, I think what like for me, it's it's less about the money. It's more about just waking up and being able to do whatever I want um, and being being unbeholden. And I think like you and and Matt embody that too. Like you write and you get up and like, what am I going to put in the bin? Um, very much the same. Like, and to, uh, it's just the best freaking thing in the world. Like I feel so, so fortunate to just like have a concept and like, all right, I'm going to run with this thing. I think, I think it's important or I think it's, it's going to be cool. And to just have that freedom and, um, and to have it go towards a cause that I believe in is just like this magical freaking thing. It's so, so, so awesome. So like seeing you guys doing what you're doing and and putting the truth out there, um, totally respect it. And um, I yeah, I want I want to do the same. I want to like feel like my online online persona is the same as offline, and like not have to like pull any punches there and just work on what I want to work on and try to move this thing forward. Because like to me, like Bitcoin is freedom and Bitcoin is truth. And so 
somehow like embodying the protocol in, in my work and in life um, and having that like, like translate is, is huge. And so, yeah, so when I see guys like you keeping it real and, and doing, doing it in a similar fashion, it's, it's just awesome. It's a, it's un, uninhibited. And I think what this is all about. No, thank you. And I have to echo your sentiment. I feel extremely fortunate to be in this position and be, be able to do this as, as a living. It's pretty insane to think about, especially considering there's a lot of people out there who are still looking for their passion and stuff like that. So I feel completely lucky, fortunate, and um, just to be here doing this. And I mean, you, the stuff that you're putting out is, is incredible, extremely thought provoking and, and drives the message home. So like, I think you're hitting the nail on the head in terms of what you're trying to accomplish with your art. I mean, again, pointing to the piece behind me for anybody listening at home, uh, the United nodes of Bitcoin, uh, is indicative of, of, of Bitcoin really embodies what this is trying to get out for anybody who's watching on YouTube. And as it's in the back, it's a uh, George Washington and, uh, looks like a Jedi, uh, like what do you a robe or whatever your garb yeah i'm happy to be uh on this this weird front line of of trying to bring bitcoin to the masses with you i appreciate the work you've done i appreciate you for coming on and having this conversation with me i know bitcoiners hate nfts a lot of them do well that's the thing like we shouldn't speak for all bitcoiners um there's a very loud contingent of bitcoiners that that hate nfts and don't understand digital art i mean I wouldn't say that I hate NFTs, um, but it's something that certainly I'm still trying to grasp my head uh, around and, and, and really understand the nature of it and how it could catch on or accrue value. And I think um, I think this conversation definitely opened some some synapse pathways for me in my brain to to understand where you're coming from. Particularly having this conversation with an artist is, um, is certainly illuminating. Um, so. Thank you for answering my dumb questions and, and for making the work that you do. Where can we find out more about you? And what do you got coming up? Anything you're working on that you want to make the public aware of? Yeah. Uh, cryptography on all the different socials. Um, two Fs, one T. No one can pronounce it or spell it. And that was my fault. Um, coming up, I've got a, I'm going to do like a, a doc. Um, so if you're coming to Miami, or just in general, if you have a good origin story, um, everyone tells their like 60 second version at the beginning of the podcast. But oftentimes it's just like kind of how you were introduced to Bitcoin. I want to get the three to five minute version um, that dives a little bit deeper. Like, was there something that radicalized you? Um, really what like primed you to be ready for Bitcoin when you first heard about it? And then if, if you want to like dovetail that into how you were introduced to it too. If you have an interesting story, reach out. Um, cause I want to compile them all and just, that's just it. Like just these stories and have there be like one, one place to go for people to hear them. Cause I think they can be motivating, um, just learning different people's perspectives and on how they initially got into it and why they got into it. Um, so yeah, so I got that coming up. I'll be doing some recording at the, the conference in Miami and, um, a couple other art projects too. Um, so yeah, yeah. Some just ran random work. Um, so excited for, for things. And thanks again for having me, Marty. I feel like a complete asshole. asshole. Cryptography. Oh, dude, it's potato, potato. I don't give a fuck. It's, <laughs> I, 
I brought this upon myself. It was supposed to be this 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 fun play on cryptography and graffiti, and it's just shooting myself in the foot. I will I will be pronouncing it correctly from here on out. It's not potato potato. You had intention. Cryptog graffiti. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I will see you in Miami, hopefully. Yep. All right. That's all we got today, freaks. Peace and love.